I invite you to remain standing as today we read from the 15th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, beginning with verse 25. Let us hear these holy words. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who was squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we have to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of God for the people of God. One very quick announcement. Bev the Lines asked me to read this, so I'm going to, regarding our Veterans Celebration Luncheon. As we begin planning for our Veterans Celebration Luncheon on November the 13th, we want to be sure we have all our veterans in our registry. Please add your name to the list at the reception desk. If anyone has a family member who is a veteran, please add them as well along with your name so that we can make the connections. So we hope that you'll take advantage of that opportunity. And now I present to you my very, very dear friend, Dr. John McKellar. Thank you so very much, and I cannot tell you what an honor it is. We've had a wonderful time being in your magnificent church, and as John said, one of my dearest friends, we met the first day of seminary 36 years ago, and we have been friends ever since, and what a delight and joy it has been, and how awesome it is to worship with you. Uh, Froda, magnificent on that piano, and the choir, and Karen's beautiful song. Truly, it has been a time of worship for all of us, and truly, we are so blessed. I love the scripture that John read to us. We recognize the ending of the famous story of the prodigal son, one of the most important teachings of Jesus, because Jesus lays out for us the true nature of God that we need to understand, and we live in a world that we need to be reminded of that. Because all around us, people have many different images of God. Some people think that God is a distant creator who made everything, set the world in order, but just kind of sits back as a disinterested spectator and watches what goes on. There are certain people that have an image of God as an angry judge who is mad at the world because we do not follow his standards. And so he's sitting there angry, just ready to zap us when we get out of line. But that's not the picture of God that Jesus gives us. Jesus says God is a loving Father who runs to meet us, whose greatest desire is to have a relationship with us. And so we see this in the great story of the prodigal son. Now very quickly, let me retell the story for us to lead into our passage for today. You remember there was a young son who was working in the family business. 
and he had a strong father who had done well with the business. He had a strong older brother who was going to inherit and run the business. And he thought, I am tired of living in the shadow of these strong personalities. I want to go out and live life on my own terms. So he has the audacity to ask his father for his share of the inheritance now. And the father is gracious. He is generous. He agrees to do that. And so the son heads off with high hopes and high ambitions. He goes to a faraway land and he blows it. I love the, what the, our scripture says. He blows it in dissolute living. The King James Version puts it better in riotous living. Our minds can just imagine what all went on. But he ends up in a pig pen. In a hog trough, tending the hogs, that's the only job he could find. And as he is doing that, he realizes he has run through all his money. He has run through his newfound friends. He is doing the most despicable, disgusting job that he could imagine. And when he hit rock bottom, he started thinking of home. And started thinking about how wonderful his father was. And he hatched a plan. I'm going to go home and I'll beg my father not to restore to me my standing as a son, but to be a servant. And so he goes home and before he can give his talk, his dad runs out to him and is just overjoyed. He welcomes him. He says, let's have a barbecue. We're going to celebrate because this son of mine that was lost is now found. This glorious moment of celebration. And if the scripture ended there... We would say, oh boy, isn't that wonderful? We could high-five each other and go home. That would be how we wish the story would end, but it doesn't. Because the older brother doesn't have the same response to his wayward brother that his dad had. And we get our scripture for today. Now, I have to be honest with you. I am an older brother. I'm the oldest child of Benny and Diana McKellar. I had a younger brother, Bob, who died in 2010. And when I read this story, I love it. I love the nerve of the, the younger son to go out and seek his own way. And I love my heart overflows with the response of the father, his graciousness, his love, his mercy, his kindness. But when I read about the older brother's response, I don't like it. I squirm. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't like this older brother at all. And I think part of the reason is it reminds me that there's a little bit of an older brother in me. And I don't like it not for one minute. Because the truth of the matter is the most lost son in the story, in the younger son who blew it in riotous living, it's the older brother who is caught in a pig pen of his attitudes far worse than the muck and the mud his younger brother was in. So I want us to look back for a moment because there are two big mistakes of his attitude that could trip us up and we need to learn the lesson from him. The first thing is this, he was wallowing with resentment. He's out working as is his custom and he, he starts to come in and he hears this big all these goings on and there's a party and the servants say your younger brother has come home and your dad has killed the fatted calf and what does he do he blows his top he goes out in the field he is angry he is mad he is pouting now that is just a horrible picture and i would like to think i would never respond to life that way but i wonder i wonder if that attitude doesn't creep up on me 
I wonder sometimes if that's not something that we all struggle with. In fact, I'll be honest with you, growing up, my dad used to always get on to me about pouting. He would say, don't be sold up. Anybody's parents ever say that to you? Don't be sold up. What he meant is don't have that look on your face when you think, I'm not getting what I deserve. Or people don't appreciate me enough. Or life's not fair. And we get this look that's the spirit of the older brother. They can sneak up on us. And here's the problem. That sin of resentment is the sin of good people who try to do good things. Particularly it's the sin of Christians. Christians who serve and do such amazing work. But they look around and they don't like that other people don't work as hard. Or people who are generous and, and, and give spectacularly. But they, they measure other people's gifts. And they, they don't quite measure up. And there is just this resentment that we are more than carrying our load. And we need to be careful of that spirit of the older brother. In fact, I was thinking, your pastor, John Robinson, again, been friends for a long time. We moved each other into all kind of little churches in Central Texas, all kind of horrible parsonages. We could tell you stories for hours about our early days, but I'll never forget, John went, was appointed to be the pastor of the Trinity United Methodist Church in Southwest Arlington. It was a great church. But they when came alive when John got there. They were so excited. There was energy. There was a spirit. Things were going so well. And I was so proud of John and the job he was doing there. Those were the glory years for that church. And I'll never forget he had been there several months. And we, we talk at least once a week. And I was calling him on a Monday. And he said, John, you're not going to believe what happened yesterday. The bishop showed up unannounced to hear me preach. Then he took us to lunch. And I said, John, that's great. I'm glad they recognize the job you're doing. You're doing wonderful. I congratulated him. I celebrated him. We had this wonderful moment. And I hung up the phone. And you know what I thought? But the bishop's never shown up unannounced to hear me preach. <laughs> the bishop's never taken me to lunch. I'm embarrassed to tell you that, John. I'm embarrassed to share that. Where did that come from? That's horrible. I hate that I had that thought. It's the spirit of the older brother that can just well up like a thunderstorm in the West and it can ruin our lives, that spirit of resentment. Because you know the truth of the matter? The most lost son in the story is the older brother. It's much harder to get back to the father from the place he was pouting in the field than in the, the mud and the muck the younger brother was in. Because if we let resentment live in us, what happens becomes a poison that can turn into anger, that can just ruin our lives. We can do the right things on the outside, but inside we're miserable because we're resentful and our hearts get hardened and we lose the joy of the faith. We need to be careful of wallowing in that pit of resentment. But secondly, he was wallowing and the pit of resistance. He was resistance to the father's love. He got this beautiful picture of his father loving the younger brother, but, but he couldn't get it. He couldn't understand because his definition of love was wrong. He saw love as finite. That is, if my father loves this one like that, He's not able to love me the way that I deserve. And he missed the, the law of love. And that is the more we love, the deeper our capacity to love others. Love is infinite. 
And we need to understand that's how God's love works. But I want us to know something. There's more than just resentment going on in this story. The real truth of the matter is this older brother really thinks his father doesn't love him the way that he deserves. He thinks his father's let him down. His father's actually betrayed him because his understanding of faith is based in works. And he thinks, look at all the things I've done through the years. Look at how hard I've worked. And look at all the things my rascally younger brother has not done. It's not fair that he give him a party. And he can't understand the depth and quality of his dad's love. And even when his father pleads with him, son, you're always with me and all that is mine is yours. He can't get it. He can't hear it because he doesn't understand the depth of God's love. I am convinced that the real dividing line among Christians today is the dividing line of people who get God's amazing grace that we sang about and people that don't. Because when we get God's amazing grace, you and I know we don't have the ability to judge or measure anybody else. We are all sinners who need a Savior. And you know who the biggest sinner in this room is? Me. And when we understand that about ourselves, our job is to love each other the way the Father loves us. Remember several years ago, the late Jonathan Pierce, he was a Broadway actor, gospel singer from Odessa, Texas. And he wrote a, a, a song in the, in the mid-90s that haunts me. It was a heartfelt conversation with God that he had. Listen to what he wrote in his song. I lie awake at night and wonder how you can still put up with me. I know I'll push you to the limits, or so it seems. I start each day with good intentions that fail you in a thousand ways, but still you keep forgiving me of the same mistakes. I know you've heard this prayer I'm praying of what I've done and where I've been. I know I don't deserve your mercy, but once again you say, no fault, no wrong, no dark of night can hide me from your eyes. I cannot fall or climb farther than your grace can reach. The truth is, the older brother couldn't get it. He was just resistant to this understanding of his father's love. And you and I don't need to let that happen to us. We need to know we worship a God who runs out to us, who wants a relationship with us, who is always with, always with us wherever we go. I love the story. You may have heard it before about the pastor pointed to a, a little church in East Texas. And he got to the church and he discovered a man in the church named Gentry. And he discovered that Mr. Gentry was a master gardener. He was known for his gardens throughout all the town. And as he gardened, he had a very interesting habit. He would whistle. And so he whistled, and when he'd be out in the front yard working with the roses, he would whistle. And then he would be in the side yard working with the tulips, and he would whistle. And then he would be out back working with the vegetables, and he whistled. And the pastor was there several months, and one day he was in the grocery store, and he was visiting with someone and said, isn't that interesting how Mr. Gentry whistles when he gardens? And the old timer said, well, do you know why, don't you? And the pastor said, I don't have a clue. I have no idea why he does that. And the neighbor said, the reason he whistles is his wife is blind. And the pastor thought about it and he got it. While he was out guarding, Miss Gentry was in the house and he was sending her a message. I'm out here. 
and now I'm over here and now I'm out back. What he was saying to his wife is, I am right here. Call me if you need anything and I will hear you. Call me and I will run to you. You are not alone. I am right here. My friends, that is what God says to us. Can we hear God's love all around us, reaching out to us, never giving up on us? One of the things I love about this scripture, it shows that Jesus is the greatest teacher who ever lived. Because notice how the passage ends. The older brother's still out pouting in the field. And we wonder, well, what happens? The father pleads with him to accept his brother. What, what, is, what happens to the older brother? Does he embrace his brother? Does he come to the party? Does he come to his senses? What happens? We don't know. Because that's the way it is in the Christian life. God loves us so much he gives us a choice. He doesn't force us. His love is all around us, but we are free whether or not to accept it. I'm an older brother, but I have a feeling I'm not alone. I have a feeling every one of us need to know and be reminded of God's love for us that will never quit, that will never leave us. We need to know whatever our wounds and our scars and our brokenness, we can bring them to our Heavenly Father and He understands and He wants to receive us. It doesn't matter if we've been like the prodigal, if we have blown it in public humiliating ways, or if we've been like the older brother, if on the outside things look really good, but inside our hearts are hard hardened and resentful and envious. It doesn't matter. Our Heavenly Father runs to us and welcomes us and calls us to come home, calls us to come and join the party of the kingdom all around us. The question is, what will we do with this good news? Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that Jesus taught us how much you love us. It's a love that is beyond our comprehension. It is a love greater than we can fathom. And Lord, help us receive that love. And when we receive that love, Lord, you send us out to love others. Lord, help us bring down all of those barriers that keep us from living and loving your way. Lord, help us accept that love and set us free from resist resentment. Set us free from resisting your grace all around us and help us live the gospel. Help us practice what we preach. So come to us, Lord, and fill us with your Holy Spirit as we live for you and follow you. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.